good morning. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Happy Easter. You know, I'm sure uh, we, uh, we all have family traditions with, uh, with Easter and things that we've done in the past or maybe that we're going to do today. Uh, you know, uh, ham, uh, ham dinner or ham lunch seems to be a, a constant or, you know, that. Uh, I remember one time growing up, I grew up in northwestern Illinois, that uh, we had uh, tulips in the uh, uh, little flower thing there in the backyard. And we came home from church and took a picture of the tulips that were all in bloom and all that. And by later that afternoon, it had snowed and it was all in snow. And we took another picture that showed the tulips in snow. So, you know, all kinds of fun things can happen uh, with Easter. Speaking of those Easter eggs that the uh, children, those plastic eggs that they're going to be going for, uh, rumor has it that uh, some of the money that was uh, that's in those eggs was previously in my wallet this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, I, I made an unwilling contribution. Uh, <laughs> my wife got confused and thought that was her money. But <laughs> I don't know if anything like that ever happens to you, or, you know, for the marriage. Uh, you know, anyway. But I'm sure the kids are going to have a great time. And, uh, you know, the cookies and all that. It smelled great to even walking by that table. Uh, it smelled great. So I'm sure that it will be a fun time uh, for everybody. The title of my lesson today, I, I hope that uh, we'll enjoy this together, studying this together and uh, sharing some together about it, is why Easter should put a smile on your face. You know, for a lot of us, uh, we sort of know, okay, Easter, Jesus raising from the dead, but we, we haven't necessarily tied it down to anything in our lives, well, what does that mean for me? And how does it directly affect me? Be turning in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start, actually we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture. One in Matthew, one in Acts, and one in Romans that are going to set up the Scripture that we're really we're going to focus on, if you know what I'm saying. And that's going to be in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. But let's go first of all to Matthew 16. And we're going to come in on Jesus' life here. This is sort of in the, the middle of His uh, ministry. And uh, He's having a conversation with the apostles. And uh, we'll see as it picks up. And you'll see what happens in this text. It says that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is. And so, you know, things have been going long enough where Jesus had a reputation, a lot of people had an opinion. And so he asked the guys, they're up there together, and he just says, hey, you know, uh, what's, what's being said about me out there uh, in, in the world? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus asks the guys, who do people say that I am? They give a variety of answers. He says, what do you say? Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And he says, that's going to be the foundation of the church. Now, we're going to come back to the church a little bit later. Skip ahead to verse 21. It says, from that time on... Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Now listen to what he does here, what he says. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus is telling them way before it happens what is going to happen. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And that leads to a whole conversation that Peter and Jesus have together. But Jesus, in his ministry, this is about halfway through. He's already getting the the apostles ready with this idea that this event is going to happen. That this is not something that happened and no one wanted to happen. Jesus knew it was going to happen. And he prophesies to them, says, hey, you better be ready. This is going to happen down the road. Now go over to Matthew 28. This is now, of course, uh, later on, much later on. Jesus has actually gone to the cross. He's gone through what he said. He's died and he's been buried. And in verse 1, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn of the first day of the week. So this is... Sunday, as we would understand it, very early in the morning, just at dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And so they, they were urgent to get there. I mean, they were up literally before dawn, ready to go, to go see the tomb and to go be with Jesus as they would understand it. You know, that's not uncommon. Yesterday, uh, Chris and I had uh, an appointment with uh, one of the families here and we were driving back and there was a cemetery there on, on the road that we uh, went out and because it's Easter and the holiday, you know, looking into that, there were a lot of people that were there at the graves. The grave sites of, I'm assuming, their loved ones, a mother or father or, or a grandparent or whatever, and uh, they were just there. You know, people do that just to be close uh, in, in, a, in a way with the person who had passed away. In verse 2 it says, There was a violent earthquake, and an angel Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. They passed out, in other words. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. This is in Jerusalem. He said, we're going to meet up in Galilee, which is much further north uh, in the country there. He says there that, that you will see him. Now have I told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. So they were unbelievably happy about this, but a little shook. And you can imagine that they would be. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, He said. 
They came to Him, clasped His feet, and worshipped Him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see Me. So He says that they, you, you need to go on up to Galilee by the sea there, uh, where they had spent so much time together, and they will see Me as well. Look over to verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. You know, you can imagine that you might doubt that. This is, this is something they, they had no idea. Wow! He, raised, he was dead, and now He's alive again. That would be enough uh, to make you doubt or to scare you. It would me. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so they have this meeting now with Jesus, and He says, Okay, I'm going to be heading back up into the heavens, but you are going to go and make disciples of all nations. And He sends them back to Jerusalem. So this is sort of what Jesus says about Himself, the event of it happening in the Great Commission. Okay, now since I've died, I've been buried, I'm now resurrected, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go and make disciples of all nations. Well, look over to the book of Acts, chapter 2. This is now what they did. So Jesus sends them out to do this, and this is what they did. Chapter 2, verse 14. They're in Jerusalem. It's one of the major Jewish feasts, the Feast of the Pentecost. And so there are Jewish people that are gathered into Jerusalem from all over the, the Roman world, as we would understand it looking back in history. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> you know, you got to love the reasoning there. <laughs> it's only nine in the morning. Come on, guys. They're not drunk. He says, no, this is what the prophet Joel had prophesied about. And we're not going to read all that. But skip ahead to verse 22. After he quotes this passage from Joel, he says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through Him as you yourselves know. So many of these people are aware and were aware, perhaps had even been in the places where Jesus had done the miracles. And he says, you're familiar with what had gone on. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. The wicked men that he would be referring to are the Romans, because they were in their country in an occupation. He says, but God raised him from the dead. Notice the very first sermon that's preached after Jesus raises from the dead that's, that's exactly what Peter goes back to. He says, all this that has happened, that many of these things you're aware of, that Jesus is, is executed on a cross, which is a Roman form of execution, that He's been raised from the dead. Some of them probably even had heard rumors by that time 
that this had happened. He goes right back to talking about the resurrection. That's an important thing for them. He says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its its hold on him. He then quotes this passage from the book of Psalms, Psalm 16, which is a prophecy from David that the Messiah would die, but would not, as it says here in verse uh, uh, 27, it says, Because you will not abandon me in the grave, or will not let your Holy One see decay, you have made, made known to me the, the path of life. This is a prophecy from the Psalms that He is going to raise from the dead. Peter is saying, He has raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of it. And then come on over in verse 36. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They realized, wow, we've, we've been a part of something that we didn't totally realize, but we understand is very important. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Remember in the first passage he looked at? That he says to Peter, that on this rock I will build my church. Here it is. This church has come about, and the resurrection is right in the middle of this whole event. And it actually is what brings it about. Now I have one other passage to show you, then we're going to get to our passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. Look over to Romans 6. And I want to show you this passage because I want to show you what the early church leaders said about the resurrection. Because it wasn't like, well this happened, no big deal, has no influence on our life now, has no impact into our life now. This is a theme Not only that they preached at the first sermon there in the book of Acts, but look what Paul says here in his letter to the church in Rome as he makes reference to to the resurrection. In verse 3, he says, Or don't you know, or maybe a better way for us to remember this, is that don't you remember, because he's, he's talking to the church there about their baptism and about what happened at it. So, or don't you know, or don't you remember, that all of us who were baptized, baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He says it's important for you to understand that what Jesus died and and He was buried and He was resurrected, that's not just something that He did, it's something that all of us did when we were baptized. We shared in His death. Now, He died a physical death. The person who's getting baptized dies a spiritual death. They're making a decision. I I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to be the new person. I want my sins to be forgiven, as it said there in Acts 2. And He says you you share in this, in the death, the burial, which obviously is a reference to baptism, being a burial in water, and you're raised to walk in, In newness of life. So anyone who's a Christian understands, wow, the resurrection is not just something that Jesus did, it's something that I did too. 
My old person died, was buried, and I was raised to walk in a new life. And so this thing of the resurrection was a huge part of the message of the early church as they went all around the world. As Jesus said, you're going to go into all nations and all peoples. And, and you know, He didn't say it, but all time. Uh, obviously, that was hundreds of years ago and even to our time today. And you, know, you, you look at a city like Los Angeles, we have all nations here. <laughs> you know, we don't have to go to all nations other than go around the block sometimes. And, and, and we've got uh, all peoples and all nations that have gathered into this place where we live. Okay, you ready for the Scripture? Okay. I, you knew I'd get there. Look over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to show you why Easter should put a smile on your face. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now this is, you got to realize this is Peter, the guy we looked at in Acts 16. This is way down the road. You know, he preaches that first sermon in Acts 2. This is more toward the end of his life. And he's writing a, 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 what's called a general epistle. This isn't written to a church like Romans was Paul's letter to the church at Rome. This is a general epistle. This is the disciples uh, everywhere. Uh, and, and he actually says that in verse 1. He says, The gods elect strangers in the world. And he, all these different places and he mentions them. But look at verse 3. This is where we're going to really drill down a little bit. He says, Praise be to, God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy. What's another word for mercy? Grace, right? So in His great grace, or in His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow. That is a mouthful. He says three things there that I want to really emphasize that I ought to put a smile on our face when we think of Easter. First of all, New birth. Second of all, we're going to look at this idea of living hope. And then lastly, the the concept of being shielded by God's power. I think, interestingly enough, these are in an order that as a young Christian, you understand the first one, but probably don't really get two and three. If you've been a Christian for a while, the living hope... And the protection from God becomes a little bit more something you really understand. You know, when a person when a person first becomes a Christian, the most important thing on their mind and the thing that really is is uh, uh, their concept of Christianity is new birth. My sins have been forgiven, and I want you to think back. Those of you who have been baptized to your baptism. You came up out of the water, whether it was uh, in the ocean, or in a baptistry, in a pool, wherever you were. You came up out of that water, and what did you feel like? 
It's like, hallelujah. I, I, I am so relieved that my sins are gone. I, I was baptized about 11.30 at night on a Monday night, and there were about three people there, and the guy who baptized me. And I don't know really why I did this, but I did it. Uh, when I came up out of the water, uh, I, this, this is typical of me being me. Uh, you know, sometimes in life you do things like that, you're like, eh, that's just me being me. Uh, I, I, I made a fist and I hit the water. And I said, there'll be no more doubting now. And, and that, that was me. Okay, that was my reaction. But, but, the, but the, the biggest thing that you think of in, in, in your mind when, when, when you're uh, coming out of the waters of baptism is, wow, I'm so glad to have that gone. I'm so glad for that old man. I'm glad for that old woman uh, to, to be gone. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the new man. And I'm looking forward to the, to, to the new life. You know what I'm saying? And there's just that exhilaration and, and feeling of, uh, you know, I have shared with Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, that is unbelievable. I'm not sure I can even wrap my hands around that, but I'm really, I'm really excited to obey the Scriptures. You know what I'm saying? You guys with me out there? Yes. You're thinking about ham? Is that what your problem is? <laughs> but that new birth... And of course, new birth is tied right back into the resurrection, right? But he says this, he, he says he, he's given us, his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. Now here's what happens after that person gets baptized. They're going to come along, and it may be days, weeks, years, But the accumulation of time and experiences is they lose some of that enthusiasm. And they they lose some of that that joy. And they lose sort of that, that sense of, wow, this is fantastic. They lose the hope. But the person who is, who is a, a true Christian realizes, okay, I, I'm going to go through cycles in my Christian life. The Christian life is not like a high where you're high all the time. Real life comes into play. And you realize, you know, there's times in my Christian life where I'm at a high. There's times in my Christian life that I'm at maybe a low time. There's times in my Christian life where I, I'm, I'm getting stronger. There's times in your Christian life where perhaps you're growing weaker. And you realize that you periodically have these times where you come back to your hope. You come back to your faith. You come back to the strength of your, of your convictions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that, that's a normal progression in, in a person's life. Sometimes, unfortunately, for people, they become Christians and they're disappointed when they first hit a low. They're like, well, what happened? I, I, I thought this was just perpetual awesomeness. Well, uh, the, the problem is you. You're not perpetually awesome. You may be forgiven, but you still have a life that is going to have times of up and times of down. You know what I'm saying? That happens in everybody's life. But you realize at those times, I have a living hope. This is not something that happened in my life that's past tense. This is something that's happening in my life. Yeah. Come on. Now. 
I've been a Christian a week. I've been a Christian a month. I've been a Christian five years. I've been a Christian 30 years. I've been a Christian, you know, 50. I don't know. We probably don't have any 50 years here, you know, spiritually uh, speaking. But, you know, you, you have this time span. And you realize, okay, the new birth was awesome, but the new birth was a beginning. The living hope. The continual hope that you have in life is a tremendous thing that, it, once again, is tied back to the resurrection. What was dead, what was dying, what was not going to be good anymore, all of a sudden is great again. And you come back in your spiritual life and you have a resurrection, if you will, of your spiritual faith and that's kind of thing. You guys with me right here? Now this third thing he mentions down here, I'm going to come back to the inheritance because the inheritance is a big deal, but I want to hit this last saying. He says that he says uh, that you have this inheritance and, 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 and it says that in verse 5 that uh, through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. One of the things you realize in time is that you are shielded, protected, by God's power. It doesn't mean that everything that happens in your life is good. But it is also very real that you realize in a course of time living the Christian life, you can look backwards and you realize, wow, God protected me. I may not even have been aware of it at that time. But I'm more aware of it now looking backwards than I was in real time that God protected me and took care of me And He continues to do that. Many of us would look at our our spouse, our husband or our wife, and we would say, God protected me in giving me that woman, that man, to be my husband or wife. I know that I would say that. Man, good choice that Marty made. Did I really get it at the time I made it? No, I thought it was a good choice. I understand now that it was a really good choice. You understand what I'm saying? It was way better than I knew at the time. And, and many of us in life, if you look backwards you know, through the rearview mirror of, of, of your life as a child of God, you realize, wow, there were some things that if I did what I thought I wanted to do, it wouldn't have turned out. The way that my life has turned out now. And you realize that there's a divine protection. You know, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, blah, 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 blah. And I will be what? I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Does that mean that Christians don't suffer? No, we do. Does that mean everything in our life is awesome? No, clearly many things are not. But you can look back in time and realize, wow, I've experienced the new birth. I've experienced the living hope. I've experienced and understand the protection of God in my life and that all centers around the resurrection of Jesus. See, my sermon is, why, why should Easter put a smile on your face? Because those things. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, today, it, it should really make us happy when we focus on the resurrection. Someone said earlier, you know, we, we, could, we could preach about the resurrection every Sunday. Well, we could, but we, we sort of focus on it on Easter in the Christian world. And that's fine. It gives us a, 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 a pinpoint, if you will, to really zero down in on it. But it's a great thing to realize Man, the resurrection of Jesus has had a tremendous impact on my life. My birth as a child of God. My continuance in in my life as a child of God. The living hope and the protection that God has provided for me over the years. Now here's where I want to end this because I think this is an unbelievable concept. In, in, uh, in the passage here, he says you have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, and get this here, verse 4. And into an inheritance. Now, what's an inheritance? We all know what it is, but what is it? What's an inheritance? Something that somebody has given you, right? Anybody here ever uh, get an inheritance of any kind? Some of us? Got some inheritance people? Uh, you know, sometimes uh, when people you know pass away, they, they've they've written out uh, beforehand. You know, I want this you know person to get this and this person to get that and and, and that kind of a thing. Uh, that's happened in my life. I have some of the things that my dad uh, very specifically wanted me to have, uh, and and they they mean a lot to me. Uh, you know, an inheritance is usually considered a great thing, right? And people, you know, sometimes they hope for an inheritance. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes you may not get an inheritance, you may get a bill. But, uh, but I, I guess you inherited their debt, uh, if you will. But, but we, we generally think of an inheritance as a positive, right? Okay, that the, the, you have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, or I would put in here in the in the concept many of us have of an inheritance, or be spent. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? What a concept that you got an inheritance that was a good amount of money, and you could you could spend it and never spend it. It just always stayed. <laughs> hmm. I bought a car and I still have all the money. I bought a house and I still have all the money. That, that's what he's saying. You have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. You. Individual. Like when my dad said, I want Marty to have this, it was, this wasn't now going to be everybody's. It was mine. You understand what I'm saying? There's an inheritance kept in heaven. It's on deposit for you by name, by individual. Some of you are smiling. You should be. This is something to smile about. There's an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never never be spent in heaven. Waiting there in your name. That's pretty cool. Who wouldn't like that, huh? 
Kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. So I hope that our study of the Word today has put a smile on your face. Why? Because of new birth. The promise of new birth. What a great promise in life. The promise of living hope. That even though you go through difficult times, that even though you have down moments in your life, you have a living hope. Hope isn't something that's in the past. It's something in the present in your life or the future of your life. Happiness because you're shielded by God's power. Protected. What a wonderful thought that God is looking out for me and protecting me. And then, man, that last thought. An inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Kept in heaven for me, by name, from the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. I hope today that you have a great time. Many of us are going to be with family and friends. Um, Be a blessing, I urge you. Not a pain at the family gatherings. Encourage, build up. Be grateful for all the ways that God has blessed you and blessed me. Uh, We're blessed far beyond what we could ever, ever imagine. Have a happy Easter. You're dismissed.